0: Tea. I'm your host as always, Elwood Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, Miss Kim Lowe. Hello! Tonight we continue our look at female directors of note by not bringing you one, but four directors of note as we look at the anthology of horror that is XX from 2017, a project which brought together the talents of uh, Jovanka Vakaric and Clark. Mitch. Is it How do you spell this? Vukovic, I think. Vukovic. So it brought together the talents of uh, Jovanka Vukovic, Anne Clark, Roxanne Benjamin, and Karen Kusama in a collection of spooky tales. Or supposed to post-promises, four deadly tales by four killer women. We'll soon find out if the film lives up to those claims as we get into the film in a moment. But um, Kim, I mean, has you seen this film before or is this the first time I watched it like myself?
1: No, it's a first-time watch. I think it might be the only movie that's first-time watch for both of us. Oh, and, and, oh, we had the girl walks home alone at night.
0: Yes, we did. Yeah,
1: which so. uh, which surprisingly, as a side note, and we're probably gonna get to that later, has uh, the girl in <laughs> the girl a girl walks home alone in this movie. So
0: yeah, um, well, as I said, uh, here we have a, a project that uh, brings together officially four talented women to uh d- to direct it but we also have a framing stop motion segments uh, directed by sophia uh carillo which so serve as a filler between uh, the the short films and each of the films will run for 20 minutes the directors involved were basically given free reign to create a short film they were given no sort of guidelines of what the film should be about and they didn't actually know what any of their fellow directors were going to be creating until the film was uh, finally put together so as we see throughout this film there is many sort of reoccurring themes that have certainly appealed to these directors in the terms of family and the strains of motherhood Uh, but all in all I think this is a very interesting collection of stories as uh, we will certainly break down over the course of this episode Um, but Obviously, going into this, I mean, we obviously given the list there. Uh, the original lineup of directors was going to include the Soska sisters as well as Jennifer Lynch, um, who both dropped out of uh, dropped out of production, um, leaving our lineup that we ended up uh, with now. And this also marks the directorial debut of uh, St. Vincent, who is best known as a a gender fluid and sexuality fluid musician, and certainly it was interesting to see what she would uh, bring to the table with this one as well. So, to start things off, we obviously kick things off with The Box. Uh, this is uh, d- directed by uh, Jovanka Vukovic and based on the short story by Jack Ketchum, whose work includes uh, The Woman, which was um, directed by Lucky M- McGee. I would say. Ki- is that right, McGee? Lucky McGee? Yeah,
1: I think so.
0: <laughs> I always, I always say in my head, it sounds like Mackie McGee, but it's not. It's Lucky McGee, in which a a mother is uh, bringing home her two kids on the train uh, at Christmas time, and one her young son encounters a uh, old man with a mysterious red box on the subway train, and his curiosity gets the better of him, and he has to look inside the box. What proceeds is Danny her young son now proceeds to refuse to eat any food at all and he keeps this secret of what's in the box as his reason for no longer consuming food. And it's soon a secret that passes on down the family line Is uh, the, as uh, the mother, Susan, basically tries to find out what he exactly saw inside that box. So opening thoughts on this one, Kim, I mean, obviously, I don't know if, do you read any of Jack Ketchum's books at all?
1: No, I've never read anything of his. I'm interested okay. to see what the original story was like, how similar it is to um, the adaptation.
0: Yeah, I've um, never read the book myself. I've read a couple of his books, but I've not read uh, the box. He won the Bram Stoker Award for best short story in '94, and as said, he's one of these sort of pulpy writers who just constantly turns up in in like random adaptations here and there. I mean, we obviously had Red, which uh, was adapted in two, sorry, adapted in 2008. Uh, we had The Offspring, the following year in 20, 2009, and The Woman in 2011, which was released to a lot of controversy at the time, and I still think it's a really fascinating film, and certainly one of Lucky's most interesting films that he's done to date. Um, and now, obviously, with XX, we get The Box. Um, a very simple, but I thought a pretty effective hor- little story. I don't know about yourself.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think that for um, the box, it's probably, it's a really good way to start off the, the, the anthology. Um, it adds this kind of mystery, this kind of unknown element that kind of just looms over the entire story. And I think that that's really... The, how it executes this the progression of the story with the kids and how they slowly it's kind of like a chain letter effect (laughs) where they tell someone and then they tell someone and then it's just kind of this like effect that passes on to someone else um and yet the mom who seems to be really i guess very carefree about this thing in the first in the beginning where she's just kind of waving it off as some kind of I don't know child rebellious attitude or some kind of phase that he's going through or whatever um turns into being this thing that you know because I don't know if it's I don't know if it has something to play into it at the end but I mean this it's interesting because you I mean the story ends and you don't really know what's what is in the box and I think that um, stories like that always kind of carry this kind of this lingering effect.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly it's one of those uh, MacGuffins of, like, what's in the box. And we never actually find out what's in the box, which is a real sort of kicker here. And it's, I think it's, it's you know, it's up there with, like, Pulp Fiction and Kiss Me Deadly it's, uh, and Ronin. It's this idea of you know, this object of uh, a desire that uh, plays such an important part in in the story, but we never actually find out what it is. Um and I don't know if that's if that's a frustrating thing or or not. It's very hard t- to say where I sort of stand on on these sort of stories where you have the MacGuffin, in this case, the box, and you never actually find out what it is.
1: For me it's not. I, I like stories like this. Um unless it turns out into those really dumb endings, like I have this pet peeve of movies where if, if you end up killing off everybody in the movie, I usually will not like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you watched a movie for nothing. And for me, that's one of those things that bother me. But when you think about something like this, I like things that are kept in the dark. Because the mystery and the effect of it, I, I think a lot of short films use this tactic a lot. And it's something that really works, especially with um, horror shorts. Um, at least, I mean, I've seen the last two years, I've seen a lot of horror shorts and when they use this sort of planet, it, it's usually executed well enough that it's, it's this additional element that adds to it for me. At least, um, I know, I know like my yeah. husband had little issues with it because he was just the ambiguity sometimes might kind of turn people off um because some people do like their movies to be wrapped up a little bit better it doesn't help that you know i'm currently covering a f- festival where like 70 percent of the movies are ambiguous and abstract <laughs> so
0: yeah it's um i, I think it can be a little frustrating when you when you're Sort of teasing the audience with something and not giving them any answers. But I never really felt that with the box. I thought that it had this intriguing yeah. story. It kind of reminds me of um, the Radiohead video for Creep. Where the guy's like, just like okay. lying, lies, he walks on and he lies on the floor. And people are like, you know, why why will not you get up? And he's like, oh, I've seen the truth, but it's too terrible to say. And the whole way through the video, he's sort of like refusing to tell them. And then at the end, um, it's sort of face to black as he tells somebody. And then we... Come back up, and then suddenly, like everybody's lying on the ground. So, it reminded you of that. It's sort of like this truth that's just too terrible to tell. And I think it's it's really it, it, you've got to be really sort of clever with how you how you play things, because if you push it too far, then your audience is yeah. just gonna get annoyed at you. But I think this film plays it really kind of smart, and it also in how it uses its uh, its visuals, I think is really important as well to the story. As I think this is. This is probably the first film since Marie Antoinette where we've seen such serious food porn on offer, um, and I think this is the this was like such a, an important element to myself in the fact that you've got to you got to show that this child has been offered like these most incredible foods and he's still refusing to eat anything. He just sits there and scrapes his cutlery around his plate, which I'm sure is real <laughs> thrilling for the rest of his family. Uh, but yeah, he has like, like this <laughs> awesome looking pizza and like ribs and stuff, and it's like. No, I'm not hungry. It just wanders off. So uh-huh. I I don't know what I was expecting. I think perhaps the the final sort of end game for this um, was a, a tad disappointing, if only slightly. I think I was hoping I was I we were building up to something, but we kind of aren't. <laughs> no,
1: I I don't know. I think it's. I think in some ways it's subtle enough for it to be good, and that's one of the things is that I wonder whether the story expands on it a little bit more because when you're working with a short film, I I do think this is the yeah. better way to execute it because it's it's quick and it needs to be something that's kind of wrapped up easily, and I think with what they had, it was done well enough. But um, obviously, as like you said, you know there there's a lot of. Um, Just how it's filmed in general that really adds so much to the I guess the feeling you get from watching this, this kind of unsettling, um, unknown intrigue, all those little moments. Sure. I mean, the ending, it's it's a little, you know, on (laughs) the edge, (laughs) but uh, at the same time, I think, you know, it was expected with whatever they were trying to do. I mean, there wasn't... You know, if you stop eating at a certain point, there's really no other ending that could happen (laughs) for these people.
0: (laughs) I suppose so. I think it's maybe just like... um, Because we have this this sort of dream sequence here where she imagines herself being consumed by a husband and her children in this sort of uh, dinner party sort of sequence where she's the main course. And... I was like, oh, that's what we have been up to. It's like you know, they're gonna—they've developed a taste for something else, and we're gonna find that he's been like eating like the local cats or whatever, and he's been, found some other form of sustenance. But it's like, no, we once we get into like the Christmas sequence and we see like the effect on um, these these people put on themselves, it's all like, no, we're not going that way, are we? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it, it really is the point is that. You know, that scene was pretty powerful because in the end, it was really... You had this feeling that she didn't really care. But then in the end, she... You know, when they were kind of eating her, (laughs) it was... um, She had this smile on her face like she was really happy that they were eating. And, yeah, so it was a a very contradicting scene, I guess. But at the same time, I think that that it, it, it works. I mean... When we get to the Christmas scene, it it's it's obvious that this isn't the whole deal. And while I think that, you know, the movie might have been really powerful if it just ended on that dream sequence scene like it was reality, that would have been a cool way to end it also, but in the end I think, you know, obviously they're they're trying to keep the mystery of what's in the box and I think it's nice. It's 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 a it's a clever way okay. to do it.
0: <laughs> um, I mean obviously just looking at Vukovic as a director, I mean she Originally started off as a visual effects artist and went on to become the editor of uh, Rue Morgue magazine for six and a half years and is wildly credited as opening the doors to a lot more women to become involved in the horror genre. Twice being named one of the most influential women in horror alongside the likes of Catherine Bigelow who obviously gave us the likes of The Hurt Locker and Blue Steel. Uh, Deborah Hill, uh, obviously producing partner of John Carpenter and Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. So certainly high a high class of uh of 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 like influential uh women that she's been sort of ranked alongside the likes of um her, her initial short The Captured Bird was successfully produced by Guilma del Toro and she's recently gone on to direct the full-length feature Right Girls which almost made our shortlist for this season but um, I think we traded we trade it out for the option of covering this film instead and sort of maximising the amount of female directors of note that we could sort of work into the season so but i
1: well, it was more like Riot Girls was impossible to that find also anywhere online, it. So, uh... at least for me. <laughs> Everywhere, it's not available to watch, so I just don't know how to find it, that's all. Um, but, I, I mean, if it ever pops up, I'm definitely going to consider putting this into some kind of, you know... After hours um, or But as a fun
0: piece of trivia, she's turned up as a zombie twice. Uh first in Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead, as well as so in Romero's Land of the Dead as well. Oh really? If you're gonna be a zombie anywhere, I would say those are the places to be it. <laughs> um and she's also from your neck of the woods, Kim. I, d- I know. <laughs> Next up we've got the birthday party. The is directed by Anne Clark. Um Oh, sorry. It's directed by Annie Clark, should I say? No mind. Just shortening people's names there. What do I think I'm doing? Um, also better known as St. Vincent here, marking her directorial debut. Um, obviously, having been better known for her music, this is her first sort of jaunt into filmmaking. And I have to say that I really, really enjoyed the birthday party. I think it. There's a part of it that just really appeals to my warped sense of humor, as. Here we have this uh this housewife um called Mary who's attempting to hold a birthday party for her daughter Lucy. Unfortunately, her husband David has turned up dead in his home office, and she decides that, you know, rather than calling 911 and potentially ruining her daughter's birthday, she's going to basically try and hide her husband's body and deal with him later. At the same time, she has to deal with a fussy neighbor an intervening nanny as well as a really random arrival of a pandagram uh so this is a very i would say that of all the the stories this one's the most light-hearted in a very sort of black comedy kind of way and um yeah this i think out of the four this was my favorite but what about yourself kim
1: the birthday party i i liked um it was a bit confusing because I just I didn't really understand why she didn't call 911 but at the same time you make a really good point is that I did think about the fact that maybe she didn't want to ruin the <laughs> ruin the birthday party but at the same time she's just kind of contaminating the evidence so it would be make it look very suspicious whether she's the one who poisoned her husband at this point. <laughs>
0: This is one I actually watched with my wife And she said that it would be If she was in that situation She'd do exactly the same If I'd suddenly keeled over She'd just like say Oh I'll just deal with you later (laughs) Just Just like Thanks for that
1: (laughs) Yeah No I mean The birthday party is Is fun I mean It's It's definitely The The element of Dark comedy here Is really good Um, It's the writing is really good and I mean I really do like um Melanie Linsky I can never remember what I've seen her in but I know that I like her as an actress so it's a very conflicting life I'm having right now so I mean it's it's fun um but at the same time I mean birthday party is is kind of It's kind of weird also, I really, it's the one where we have Sheila Vand as uh, the, I don't know, assistant or nanny or something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) which is always weird because we saw her completely, pretty much not talking a whole lot (laughs) in, in an Iranian vampire film previously in the series. So we're having kind of like this throwback to something that we've seen, um. And she's, you know, uh, and she's apparently an American actress that I didn't know about. So, (laughs) lack of research, I blame. Um, but yeah, no, it it was a lot of fun. I thought, I thought the Sheila Van character was kind of, was kind of suspicious as well. So there was a lot of weird things going on. You keep thinking that there's something going on with, oh, did the husband die because he committed suicide or... What is there something more complicated, and you keep thinking that something more complicated is going to happen, but it doesn't. It's really just the guy dies, and she's just trying to hide the body with everyone disturbing her. And you wonder if someone. You keep wondering whether someone's going to see what she's trying to do, or <laughs> just catch her in the action, and then it's going to look wildly suspicious.
0: It's just like uh, this very. Like, old style of uh, comedy. It's kind of like a Lauren Hardy comedy in the fact that you just like you, you have like you have thing after thing happen to her. There's, she's got this objective that she needs to achieve but she constantly has all these obstacles that she has to overcome uh, in a way before we build that big crescendo of a payoff. Um, and I just as i said the, i love the way they shot. it's got this real sort of like 1950s sort of feel to it the way the characters are dressed and um mm-hmm. the way they look and at the same time it's got a very sort of modern sort of style to it as well um i love the fact that they have a have a black daughter but nobody seems to explain why i also thought that her ghost costume that uh she has is absolutely adorable <laughs> It just it just works so well this uh because she's her, her original she manages to get her original costume dirty so her mother quickly makes her a ghost costume out of a sheet which is just basically two eye holes and a mouth hole but it looks so absolutely adorable to seeing this this ghost child wandering around the halls of this uh sort of like very open plan minimalistic uh, house that they uh they live in. Um, but yeah, it's just funny, like every time that she's, she's gets any sort of momentum, there seems to be something else that like comes up. It's like the nanny happens to be looking across, um, across the courtyard or we have the pandagram turn up and just the idea that, uh, she, when she goes to like buy the panda costume off the guy, um, just so she can dress her, dress her husband off and sit him at the end of the table, I just thought that was absolutely genius. <laughs> um and though part of me when I go, when we get to the finale and she just basically just thinks like <laughs> thinks basically like fuck it and she's there like irishing up her drink. I would have myself had that as the opening shot, just basically her looking at the end of the table at the 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 husband in the panda costume and she's pouring drinks and then we like flash back to the start. I think it would have been really fun to see like because to initially present to us like this bitter soak um and then just like come back to it it's like oh this is the reason that she's drinking it just doesn't care um i think would have been really would have been a more interesting approach to it but apart from that i just thought it was a really funny st- story and the payoff at the end is just fantastic in so many ways
1: oh yeah for sure i mean it this was definitely one of the most fun out of the four stories that we had um i mean it was it was it was kind of like you know, it was more of the horror comedy genre, right? You yeah. Don't, there's not very horror, but it's just very funny to watch. Um, I think it's just the concept that we all like to watch people struggle, <laughs> and, and you just watch her over and over again, and and you just wonder if she's just like, what is the end game? That was what I was thinking during the whole whole time. Is what is the end game? Like, where are we going with this? Like it's either she successfully hides her husband and then what happens the birthday party keeps going on or it's like the woohoo success or is it like what happened whatever pay what the, the payoff that we had right which which was i think such a nifty little ending
0: <laughs> the fact that it improves its ending um because at the end, it obviously flashed up the title card: the birthday party, or the memory Lucy suspe- suppressed from her seventh birthday party that really wasn't her mum's fault, even though a therapist says it probably why she fears intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a check-play next story in so many ways, and I think that's why it appeals to myself. It's the sort of thing that I would expect him to like include in one of his like short story collections, like. Um, like make something up or haunted it's just seems like his sort of uh, him his sort of story so to see this uh, story that obviously written by um Anne clark and roxanne benjamin who serves as a producer on this film and has previously given served as a on the likes of vhs and southbound um and faults it's um really sort of interesting it's just a really interesting story now i think the fact that the directors were all just given such free reign to basically make what they want. I think it means that we get this random little story in the midst of these these three other very different stories. So I think rather than just giving them a theme that they would had to stick to, I think it sort of really pays to the film's advantage especially when we have a have a short story like this. Next up, we've got Don't Fall, written and directed by Roxanne Benjamin, in which four friends, Paul, Gretchen, Jess and Jay, are out on an expedition in the desert, only to discover an ancient cave painting, which uh, depicts an evil spirit that soon turns up to ruin their day out. This was an interesting one. It's um, basically a shorter version of uh, the film Primal, in which um, we here we are see uh, Gretchen taken over by the spirit of uh, that is depicted in the painting and basically uh, morphs into a demon woman creature um, and goes on a little bit of a rampage. Very ambitious to try and tell this story in twenty minutes. It has to be said.
1: <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, would you have watched a full movie of it? if this was a full length movie? Yeah. It would have been those. It would have turned out to be a really cheesy affair, I think. It would have been one of those creature features that just turns out to be really, really generic, I think.
0: Oh, and you can watch a full length feature. As I said, it's called Primal.
1: <laughs> uh, basically,
0: you've got these students who go uh, swimming in this creek and something evil's like in the water um, and basically inhabits these these students when they ingest the water. They go swimming in the water and turns them into these primal creatures. Uh, Creatures that go around and hunt the other <laughs> members of the group. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to watch a longer version of this, then uh, you can check out Primal. But I did, th- as I said, you you got twenty minutes to tell a story, and it kind of made me laugh when I was looking at the lovebox ratings of this, and people like saying, "Oh, this isn't scary." It's like you're hardly gonna get terror in twenty minutes. Yeah, it takes takes time to build it up. You can tell, you can. Pull an interesting idea forward and maybe get a jump scare in there, but I don't think you're gonna terrorize your audience in 20 minutes. So, to tell like a full on creature feature in 20 minutes is very ambitious, and I wouldn't say it worked. It worked for myself, at least. It gave me what I wanted in a really short burst, but
1: yeah, I, I think it was good. Um, it's definitely obviously not one of my favorites, um, but at the same time. It if you look at it in like a creature feature sort of way, it's it it really does work for what it is trying to do. Um, I mean, the effects are pretty good. I liked the whole creature transformation bit, um, that really worked for me. Uh, at the same time, I mean, ugh, the characters are kind of disposable. They were whatever, uh, but I mean <laughs> the <laughs> but the whole mystery behind like. Who is this? Who like what is possessing you know this person? Uh, what is her name? Gretchen. Yeah. To Gretchen. um to change into this creature, right? That's completely a mystery. Obviously, it looks a lot like the devil. And I and if you think about it, right, now, like right now I'm thinking about it. and I feel like the stories actually are are piled in in the anthology in a way where there's always this kind of linking point between them. Obviously, the first two was kind of like mother and child thing um but then this one and the next one we're going to talk about has this whole seems to be hinting towards obviously the last one is more obvious but um about like kind of like the devil or satan or something like that um but you know this one has this whole ancient markings thing and the whole. i really like the setting of it and like the rocks and this kind of like um this rocky terrain and desert type of uh area yeah and just being out in like this yeah, this isolated area. Um, and, and you just know when, when anyone in horror talks about being in a place where no one even knows about, and you know <laughs> something bad's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always thought the fact that they managed to stumble across this one thing in this vast, um, rocky sort of territory. They managed to stumble across this one cave. Um, but no, some very stunning scenery uh, to, to see to see here. And we don't really get a lot out in the Painted Desert, it has to be said. So to see something out in the uh, the rocky sort of wilderness was kind of nice to see. And the actual creature design is also pretty fun as well. It uh, When we get to see it, even though it's a lot of time it's sort of shrouded in, in the darkness, which is a little too thick in places to really appreciate the design work that's gone into this Gretchen creature. Um, the actual, you know, moments when it's uh doing its thing are really are quite uh, fulfilling so
1: well, i mean, if if you want to watch something set in like desert or something, <laughs> wolf creek season 2 is uh not the movie, the tv series. It's all in the desert. So, <laughs> that's uh, a that, that's a uh, that that one i just saw, so.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> mhm. But, but then, yeah,
1: I mean, one of the one of the things that I really <laughs> I thought was kind of uh, funky with <laughs> design was that whole twitchy beast in the shadows. It was a uh, it was it was uh, interesting. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, when we talk when we're talking about like design thing, I thought it was kind of jarring the fact that you have a title card, and then these films have their own title card as well. In particular, Don't Fall <laughs> has this like really huge title card that appears after the sort of like um introductory title card that sort of introduces each segment here so it was kind of random that they these directors still put in their own title cards for their films so
1: well i feel like it's more like they each did their own short film and then they didn't they just really ended up being like released in this anthology so all of the movies are cut as a short individual short film yeah yeah
0: yeah with the title i thought that someone was going to fall off something I was not expecting what we got with this one, so...
1: Well, they did. Did they? They did. Did they, <laughs> they, did. Did they really, Kim? <laughs> I was they expecting,
0: did. like, don't fall, like, you fall off a cliff, you end up in, like, 37 hours sort of territory, or...
1: 127 uh, hours, yeah. 27 hours, I don't
0: know. It was a long-ass time he was in that rock, so... <laughs> You're in that sort of situation, not, you know, being chased around the... Uh, around the desert with by weird demon by your weird demon friend
1: yeah but you know technically she did fall at the end <laughs> she did fall and then the ending scene this title, was really nifty you? with you know like the girl that in the beginning they were like oh don't fall and then she turns into the <laughs> demon and then she's like just peeking over and then kind of climbing down so it was um you know kind of I mean if you <laughs> stretch it a little <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even you. You want to captain this Titanic, game You carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think of 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 all of, all of them. I think Donford's the most straightforward. Um, it it just knows what it is. It's a creature feature, and um, it does it well. Mm-hmm. Um, on to the final segment: Her Only Living Son, written and directed by Karen Kusama. Um, a director very much of note. Uh, she certainly has her fans both on this show and out there in the podcast verse. other ladies of the Feminine Critique, Emily and Christine, are huge fans of her work and uh, certainly cited Jennifer's Body as one of their favourites and we certainly enjoyed looking at Girlfight here on the show. And as a director, I mean, she certainly had an interesting career. I mean, she's had very few sort of slip-ups on her sort of... Uh, path I mean when we look at her filmography I mean the only sort of, Aeon Flux is the only really sort of stumble that she had which was her first big budget film after her 2000 debut Girl Fight Um, from there it's obviously Jennifer's Body, The Invitation and Destroyer and all of them have seen her trying different genres and working with familiar actors but also putting them in interesting roles such as, you know, what happens if we take, make Megan Fox and turn her into a succubus? Or what happens if we uh, ugly up Nicole Kidman? So, I really appreciate uh, what she is doing out uh, there with her when it comes to her approach to filmmaking. However, when it came to this film I did think it was one of the weaker sort of, segments and I felt that it sort of borrowed a little too much from Rosemary's Baby to really sort of stand on its own merit in much the way that uh, Midsommar would have played a lot stronger had I not seen The Wicker Man. So it sort of had the odds sort of stacked against it, even though it's trying to present an alternative sort of coming-of-age story. Um, as a single mother, Cora is dealing with her rebellious son, uh, Andy, who is about to turn 18. And at the same time, the people around them start to act very strange.
1: People around him start to act strange. He acts yeah. strange.
0: <laughs> well, well, the mailman and the principal and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They all um, they seem to all think he has uh, a gift of some sort.
0: <laughs> Obviously, her only living son wraps up the this anthology of tales. Um, and I think uh, out of all the directors, I think Kusama is probably the most noteworthy director on this so it kind of makes sense that the fact that she gets to close out this anthology uh but what did you um think of her short
1: i mean it's not a bad short um i i i thought it was you know for for the content that it was trying to be and having not seen those movies that you mentioned before i'm i'm a little bit newer to this kind of thing and i had don't really have a comparison to anything else um yeah Probably I do, I mean, I've seen movies with, you know, um, hints towards, you know, Satan and all that stuff. But, um, at the same time, I think, I do believe it is one of the weaker ones of these four, um, but it all, it it really comes down to the fact that they're trying to, I feel like they were trying to, um, Kind of add mystery to what he is and what he's turning into or whatever coming of age means for him. And yet that drags on a little bit too long in the beginning. um, Until everything just kind of like spirals out of control and it feels a little bit disjointed, I feel like. The flow isn't as good as the other stories told, I feel
0: no, um, I mean, obviously it's trying to do something different where you used sort of come in rage story. So he's a problematic teen, about to turn 18, and, you know, he's kind of a brat. <laughs> um, at the same time, he's got a lot of questions about his absent father, who uh, Cora basically says is uh, an actor living out in Hollywood, um, although it's hinted at that her former husband might not actually have been the father of her uh, her son. At the same time, Andy's going through his own changes as his voice is changing, his finger and toenails are becoming claws, and uh, it pretty much, if Cora hasn't twigged already, there is a very big uh, emphasis that you know he might actually be the spawn of Satan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. As I said, I don't know where to really go with this one. It sort of it does does what it wants to uh, to do. Um, I just I think it's because because when it came to the character of Andy, he's just too much of a jerk to to really <laughs> keep on it. And even this is twenty minutes that you're subjected to this child. It's sort of like, God, just give him a slap already.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing is it's it, it's on one hand you have all these people who seem to really view Andy as not as threatening as the bad things that his mom obviously sees him doing. But at the same time mom isn't really dishing out any discipline he she's hoping for these other people to dish out the discipline and she's surprised when they don't um so i don't know it it's very weird um i think it's meant to be weird because you're supposed to question why everybody is having this kind of praise towards his horrible actions that he does um, things that are worse and worse, obviously, um, as time goes by, you know. Um, but, I, I mean, to be fair, I didn't really, I wasn't really digging the, pr- the pacing of it, but I did really, I did think the ending was really good. Um, like, the end game of the whole thing was, uh, was, was a good ending.
0: I wasn't even sure what was supposed to be going on in the end until I looked up on Wikipedia, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, it. Um, I was. I was like, "Oh, is that what's supposed to be happening?" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I as I said, it didn't really for myself. i just say uh, it just didn't resonate with myself, and it's it's so hard to say where the issues sort of uh, lay with this one. I don't know if it's just certain character choices or um, or what, but um, I just really could not get into this one at all. Uh, which is a shame really, because I was I really I enjoyed the three which came before it for the various sort of charms and what they brought to the table, and this one just felt like ah, huh, it just, just didn't um, it just didn't really do much for myself. So,
1: well, I I have to you know I have to say though like for like movies like this um, with uh, Satan and whatever is not my first choice of horror. Uh, it's not even my top five choices of horror probably that's why i haven't seen a lot of movies relating to it uh so i mean i think for me it's more of a personal preference like this movie does really nothing for me um for whatever reason i don't know it's just never been anything that i'm particularly interested in um or maybe i just haven't seen a movie that's been like knocked me off my feet and been like this is so good (laughs) <laughs> a subgenre to explore
0: you know So yeah you've just never been a fan of the satanic panic then
1: yeah well, I want to watch satanic panic <laughs> the movie <laughs> but
0: yeah um... I, think, I think maybe we need to show you like Polanski's Rosemary's Baby and see if it has more of a see see where you go from there because when I think of obviously like the satan movies it's sort of like I remember all the bad ones uh, like Devil's Rain I don't really remember the good ones <laughs> which i think obviously is babies little like that rare sort of standout. Uh, but i think you know film historians and horror junkies like will will tell you that pretty regularly so to try and find try and find something that's uh satan related that um, to recommend you that that's something that we'll throw out on the on the social media and see if uh, somebody can recommend us something
1: you know i think the one of the main things is um Kusama's a director, which I feel is from at least from the two movies that I've seen of her, um, Girl Girl Fight and the Invitation. It's really, she's a director that needs time. Like, her movies progress in a way that it needs time to build and to give this foundation. And what her only living son didn't have was that kind of progress. We just kind of jumped in. This kid is a major brat. He's doing really crappy things. Mm. Um, And then the school and then you have all these crazy, creepy people who are super mysterious and they're giving you zero answers. Mom's not really doing anything. She's just kind of panicking over her behavior, his behavior. And then all these things come together. And then there's this creepy chat with the postman who apparently has been watching over her and then. It's just kind of like everything jumps forward and then there's no connecting points. It's just kind of like, oh, this happens and then that happens and then that happens. But there's never really a build up. And that that's usually the case because it's a short film. You only have 20 minutes to execute whatever you need to do. Yeah. And I think it's just not her style of movie. Um, it's, you know, she she's best, you know, she executes. We've seen Kusama do really good movies. Um, you know, Girl, Fight the Invitation. You you like Jennifer's body? I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say. But you know, all of these movies, you know, when you're full length, you have this time to build, and that's. I think that's the only issue is that the movie could have been good if it was. If I, I really, for me, it was just like a flow problem. I didn't have time for the story to kind of sit, and it felt like the story had a lot more to it to build than just jumping from
0: point a to point b in 20 minutes yeah it's um it, again i think this is the problem like Don't dealt forward sort of like you've got 20 minutes to to tell this story but at the same time you've got a couple of uh, stories here which are perhaps a little too ambitious for the time frame and it's like yes they work within the time frame but you think can't help but wonder it's sort all of like if we had the time to expand this out what would it have been um I-
1: I agree, but at the same time, like I didn't have as much of a problem with "Don't Fall," mostly because I think feature creature creature features are <laughs> changing my words around. Creature features are really a very straightforward concept. Um, it's something that we're really familiar with already. Um, sure, there's people who you know add twists and little things to it, but obviously for a creature feature, you you have already those little simple, straightforward elements that needs to be done, and they're, they're they're done efficiently. So you don't really need to digest too much out of it. There are little, you know, questions obviously because it's a short film that can't answer all your questions. But I think it works better because of just the genre that it tackles. Whereas you know, this one seems like it needs a little bit more. Backstory.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a concept. XX, I think, was a very interesting one. Um, and I, it's one that I would love to see expanded. I would love to see another volume of this. You know, maybe keep saying directors, bring new directors. I'm not sure what, where you want to to sort of go with it. But I would say it's certainly interesting. It's really interesting as well when you have, like, female voices in horror. Be it through, like, you know writing or in the the creative fields it sort of adds this new perspective that we don't often see Obviously, especially with horror being the notorious boys club that it is Um, I mean when you even look at like the ABCs of deaf and when you've got like 2.5 letters out of the 26 and being represented by women It's really sort of argues the case for like well What happens if we give a film give a complete film to these four women and just let them make their own film? Um, and it as I say, it's we look at the other sort of anthologies out there and there's just so many that are just all male, like um and I just felt that this was really so interesting. I mean yes the stop motion scenes which tie between it are a little hit miss. I thought they were strangely engaging in places, even (laughs) though they don't often tie into anything. Uh, but
1: Well, the story, the, the stop motion was meant to be its own little slice of short in its own, right? Okay. So I thought it was pretty nifty. I didn't really understand what was going on half of the time. But then <laughs> when we got to the end, everything kind of came together and I started understanding what was going on.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it helps keep... It helps tie everything together. I mean, this is just what the film's chosen to go with. I mean, we've seen already that you could go with like VHS tapes, as in like VHS, or you could go with the comic book stories. There's be something like creep show. So, there's numerous ways you can tie an anthology together, and I think this was certainly one of the least intrusive ways that you could do it. Um, certainly, I was sort of relieved that it wasn't just like, <laughs> like the aging shopkeepers are like, oh, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> Um, just like these four random stories being told by this one person or something. So I, I kind of like the fact that the in-between sequences are so detached from it. It's not trying to tie everything together that we see in, like, other anthologies where it's all sort of like, oh, we're going to have this outline story so that we can't... so all these stories are, are tied together in some way. And it's very hard to do that. I mean, we've seen it done well in films such as, like, Trick Our Treat, where you've got, like, uh, the little... Trick or treat, kids. Sam, who uh, ties all the stories together, and the fact that characters appear in like do little cameos in each other's stories. There, so
1: well, it helps. Trick or treat is, has the advantage of being in just one setting, right? It's all set in a little neighborhood.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, it's also quite a an expansive canvas that they got to paint with because it's sort of like you're out in the woods, or you're in the quarry, or we're going to sort of mm-hmm. hang out in the neighborhood. It's there's a lot going on in the town which i think gave it such a a broad canvas to sort of tell its story on um Mm. and i think that's also important if you're doing anthology stories try and give us some variety which i think this film certainly does
1: yeah
0: um which makes me question like why people don't seem to like it as much as i enjoyed it because i really i really enjoyed this one so
1: i can i can get where people are because i didn't really rate this one really high um I ended it, I felt a little indifferent at the end. Um, I think that everything landed well, but it was nothing that made me really excited. Um, I think it also has to do with the fact that when you look at the works of, like other works that any of these directors have done on their list, I mean, other than Annie Clark, who, this is her debut, so there's, there's nothing really to compare. No. But, but the, other, the other three that we're looking at, they've all done works that I've seen and that I like more. So my expectations going in were a little bit higher, I think, and what I got was a little bit more flat. Um, it, like, when you think back to it, all of them are done well, but maybe not as great as what I've seen from other things, you know? Like, um, if you think about, uh, just for an example, if you think about Roxanne Benjamin. Um, she did. She did the "Don't Fall" segment for this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, she had a she had a short film segment in the Creep Show Shutter series, um, and sh- that segment was one of my favorites of the entire season of Creep Show. Uh, I think. Oh, what was it called? It was called um, Lydia Lane's Better Half. Okay. And I really liked how that one built. And I think with Don't Fall, I like creature features, but it didn't land as well as, say, that, move, that short that she did. Yeah. Um, that would be one of the most direct comparisons, obviously, because Jovanka Vukovic, I've seen Riot Girls, which is by far one of the best movies I've seen in Fantasia all the years that I've covered it to present. And it's, and when you think about, you know, what she does, um, the box, the box is a, is an adaptation of something. So it's not exactly her own story. She's just adapting something that's, that's been written by someone else. Um, so a lot of kind of like, it really comes down to how it's filmed and it's filmed really, really well, but you can't really say that the writing is completely unique to her. Um, I think that that's those little things right you you it's just little things here and there that i have that i think doesn't that makes me a little less excited than i originally was because for xx i i don't know i think i felt like i went in with maybe higher expectations than i expected and then and then i feel like when i was watching it maybe it's just because like when this comes out we're gonna be past halloween I don't know when it'll be because we're, you know, super early in production. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. by the time we get there, I mean, to be fair, we've been, this is during October, we've been watching horror movies every single day of the month. (laughs) So let's just say horror is a little bit desensitized at this point.
0: So
1: I think it all comes, I think it all comes into play. Um, XX kind of comes in this time where, there are a lot of positives to it, but at the same time, it, it's very unique, but I don't know. Something is not quite there for me.
0: Okay. I found this actually kind of like um, kind of a palate cleanser, especially after the week. I've been having watching movies and stuff. So, yeah, it was certainly an interesting an interesting collection of stories and I think yeah. the fact it's still lighthearted and and varies and we can ha- we can go from something that's uh that makes you one that makes you sort of question What where the story's going with uh, like the box and mm. switch it to something fun like uh, the birthday party was just yeah. such a, a nice question rather than just having like four stories that were pretty much the same in like terms of tone and, or uh, content
1: but so I, I think yeah, but I think that's the best thing about anthologies, right? Most anthologies do have this effect of moving through different subgenres in horror and that's what makes it so fun to watch a lot of times. And that's one of the things I really love about, you know, XX. XX jumps through different genres and most of them are things that I like other than the last one that I don't know too much about.
0: Yeah. Um anything else you wanna talk no. about? Cool. Um well, yeah, obviously um, the, at the moment as the XX is uh, yet to have any signs of a follow-up to it. Uh, the director is obviously going on to uh, continue their own um, projects uh, with uh, Roxanne Benjamin currently working on the remake of Night of the Comet, which would be interesting to see another sort of cool movie they're getting. Uh, in the remake room and see how that plays out. But again, with the well-being as it is, who knows whether that's going to happen or not. So, Unless they make it up in Canada, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> an, an off-air conversation we're having. We had.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. If you want to make stuff, head to Canada. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I think for myself, I would say it's one that's worth, worth checking out. and Especially if you're engaging in your own for the days of Halloween I think this one's a good one to uh, shove in as a palate cleanser as it certainly Mm -hmm. certainly gives you um, a variety of things rather than just sort of like one thing or not so hopefully you'll find something that's been missing from your movie watching to sort of uh, refresh things up a bit for yourself
1: yeah i mean to round up my grouchy version of saying that i might not have liked this as much as you do but (laughs) i like following up on what you said before um that i forgot to mention when you said it is uh i would actually like to see a follow-up because it's a good opportunity for female directors in horror which there are a lot who... Well, there are a lot. There there are quite a few who don't get, I think, as much attention as they should. And this mm. is... I think anthologies and short films are really a good good place to kind of get them out there.
0: Yes, definitely. So it's a, it's a good platform to... It's sort of like a, a low-risk, high-reward platform. And uh, also the good thing with Van Forge is if you don't like a story, it's not long. You have to wait until a better story hopefully comes along, so...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, no, I would definitely recommend checking this uh, one out. Um, Is there anything else that you want to talk about?
1: No, I'm done.
0: Cool. Um, But thank you, as always, for listening uh you can obviously check out our full archive episodes over movies and podcast at wordpress.com you can follow us on facebook and instagram and you know let us know what you think of the show leave us a rating and uh hit those like and subscribe buttons as it really helps raise the profile of the show um but this brings us to the end of uh, tonight's episode um kim where are we going to next
1: we're going to uh, the last movie of our season it wasn't that fast um and, uh, yeah, we're going to 2019's The Farewell, um, which, you know, is probably one of the most well-known recent movies on our list, uh, directed by Lulu Wang, and um, has a really interesting story. I think uh, it's, it's going to be a fun one. I really like this one, so I'm looking forward to talking about it.
0: Join us next time as we bid farewell to season six by looking at The Farewell. But until then, good night.